0: Which hit song was inspired to write when his wife went shopping? You'll find out later on this show, The Anatomy of a Hit. Hi, this is Dr. Marv Rosenberg of the Safaris of Image of a Girl fame, and I'd like to welcome you to Anatomy of a Hit, the show that will give you the inside story of a hit record. Today, the inside of two hit records. Do you remember this great oldie from 1960 that reached number two on the charts?
1: Dum 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 dum
0: Yes, It's Only the Lonely by Roy Orbison. Some called him the Caruso of rock with his great distinguishable voice. After several years without much success in the music business and sharing a tiny apartment with his wife and new baby, Roy Orbison was sitting in his car trying to write a song one day when, in 1959, his acquaintance Joe Melson tapped on the car window and suggested they collaborate on writing songs. So they started to write a song together. They would meet and write in the car, for their apartments were too small. The song's lyrics were inspired by Melson's teenage love story. His girl left him heartbroken, and when she took off in a Cadillac, the worst of this song came to him naturally. Also, the song was his proudest moment as a songwriter is because it was his first song he wrote with Roy Orbison. Roy previously wrote a song about his wife Claudette. At a show Roy performed with the Everly Brothers, he played it for them. They liked it, and it was on the B side of All You Have to Do is Dream. Roy explains. And then in
2: 57, after the first year with Sun Records, I retired by writing a song called Claudette. And uh, I remember playing a show. Someone called me out of retirement to play a show with the Everly Brothers. And uh, as I was leaving the dressing room, they asked me for, did I have any songs. I said, I don't have songs, I've, I have one song. So I uh, played Claudette for them, and they wrote it down on the top of a shoebox and took it to Nashville with them. And
0: then uh, eventually it was number one. Here is a sample of that song, Claudette.
1: Oh, oh, Claudette. Oh, oh, Claudette. I got a brand new baby and I feel so good. She loves me even better than I thought she would. I'm on my way to her house and I'm come out of breath. And when I see her tonight, I'm gonna squeeze her to death. Claudette.
0: Rory wrote only "The Lonely" with his songwriting partner Joe Melson, with the intention of offering the song to either Elvis or the Emily Brothers. So, on the way,
2: I thought I'd stop by Elvis's house and see if he liked the song, because Fred already consented to a session. and We had a couple other songs and uh, to yet to record, you know, like uh, "Running Scared" and all that down the line, but. Uh, I stopped by Elvis's house about six o'clock in the morning from Texas we'd driven to Memphis and uh, handed the guard a note, uh, telling him that I was at the gate, you know and I was going to uh, I was going to hang around if it was too early, you know just sort of hang around and uh, wait till everybody got awake and eventually sang him this song, One of the Lonely, hoping he would record it, because he'd, he was about due to record, it I was thought. just out of the army then, wasn't he? Just out. 1960, six, yeah. And uh, so Elvis sent back a note, and it said, uh it says, I see you in Nashville. So, oh, he said, we're leaving for Nashville today. He said, I'll see you there. So I thought, well, he's... It was sort of a slight, but and that's the way uh, uh, creative people are. You know, you can't really <laughs> you can't be offensive to creative people. They get their feelings hurt. But anyway, I, I thought well, he should have at least found out. You know, I've got a smash here. <laughs> he should have. And if he's going to record, he needs it. So anyway, we. I sang it for, uh, when we got to the studio, the the dub studio at Acuff Rose, I sang it for Phil Everly. And I got about halfway through and Phil said, well, here's one. He said, I've been working on this song. And so he sang me half a song. And I said, well, that's nice. And so that, they, that he wasn't blown away by.
0: Since Elvis and the Everly brothers turned down the song Only the Lonely, Roy decided to record it himself. There were several covers of Only the Lonely, but the primary successful one was in 1969 when country singer Sonny James recorded the song and had a number one hit on the Billboard country music charts.
1: Only the Lonely I feel tonight, only the lonely. Know this feeling ain't right. There goes my baby. There goes my heart. They're gone. For Far upon and only the lonely know why I cry. Only the lonely.
0: Roy Orbison wore sunglasses when performing simply because he had left his eyeglasses on an airplane. Roy explains how he started to wear those glasses in an interview with Marty Sinclair. I was on my way to uh,
2: Dothan, Alabama to play a concert. And uh, I chartered a private plane. And it was a low-wing plane, I remember. And the sun was very bright, so I put on the sunshades and put the clear power to the side. And when I got to Dothan, I got off the plane and... uh, left the clear pair on the airplane and didn't realize it until the sun went down. I was busy rehearsing and everything. All of a sudden there I was going to perform at night in sunglasses and I felt very embarrassed. I got through the night and then the next day flew to Atlanta, New York, London and uh, opened the Beatle tour uh, that evening with the same pair of sunglasses. And I was still worried about that, but uh, no one sort of minded. Uh, It was a really important tour. And with all these photographs around the world with sunshades, I was sort of stuck instant image with that. So uh, it wasn't something I designed or
0: thought of. Uh, I'll just do this and be cool. It was a mistake. So Roy had this image of wearing all black when he performed. Even his hair was dyed black to keep this dark glasses image. His hair was light brown like Elvis, but they used a black rinse to get the effect. One of Orbison's biggest passions outside of music was film. When he wasn't too busy with his work, he was known to have frequently watched about three movies a day during his spare time. Roy had the opportunity to star in his own motion picture. He had the starring role in the 1967 film, The Fastest Guitar Alive. It was a story about a cowboy sharpshooter that shot bullets from his guitar. Well, it was a big flop at the box office. Roy Orbison had a love of motorcycles that stayed with him for his entire adult life. How did he get into the interest of this? Well, it turned out he was first introduced to motorcycles by none other than his friend, Elvis Presley. Rory was famous for following a car that he liked on site, making the driver an offer on the spot. Yes, he had a strong fascination with cars. In 1964, Roy Orbison and another songwriter named Bill Dees wrote one of Rory's biggest hits. Do you remember this one? Foster, Roy's dear friend and producer, explains how the song was written while they were writing another song of Roy's. It's over. Listen. In 1964 came the greatest hit song
2: of Roy's life, and it was almost by accident. A chance remark made to Roy
0: and a songwriting partner, Bill Dees. Claudette came in the room and uh, was going shopping. And so Roy said, We need any money? She said, No, no, well, I'm okay. So Bill says, Man, don't you know pretty women don't need money? Hmm. <laughs> so she walked on out of the house and they looked at each other and they wrote Pretty Woman. There are a few lines that were very distinctive and iconic in a rock song as Orbison's explanation of mercy. Remember this riff? No one When Roy realized that he couldn't hit the high note in the song he had originally intended, he shouted out, mercy. <laughs> Another one of the most distinctive parts of the song is Orbison's playful growl at the end of the second verse. Are you lonely
1: and just like me? Wow.
0: Oh, yes like his mercy cry. This too came to Orbison's mind in a very unlikely way. Probably due to his love of film, the singer had been watching a Bob Hope comedy movie around the time he was working on this song, and he heard the comedian let out a silly growl that he just couldn't forget. Here's that growl from Bob Hope, directly from the movie Pale Face. Several artists recorded their versions of Oh Pretty Woman. For example, Van Halen's second top 20 hit was this song, peaking at number 12 on the Billboard Hot 100. <laughs> Green had a rendition. instrumental version of the song. Listen. Com. Radio the way you remember it. But life wasn't all great for Roy Orbison, for he had some tragedies in his life. First, among the most heartbreaking tragedy, was that Orbison had to deal with the sudden death of his wife, Claudette, in a 1966 motorcycle crash. The couple was riding together while on vacation. Listen to Roy describe what happened.
2: Claudia and I went riding on motorcycles. We were about six miles from home. I made a stoplight and turned left and then stopped. And she wasn't behind me. So I turned around and went back. And a pickup truck had pulled out in front of her. So I came home and I had to tell the, uh, the children, I told the oldest boy that his mother wasn't coming home.
0: Rory was devastated by having witnessed the event. He was riding ahead of her when it happened, and Claudette passed away in her husband's arms at the age of 25. If that wasn't enough, two years later, a house fire took the lives of his two eldest sons, just two short years following the fatal motorcycle accident, a fire broke out at Orbison's home while he was away on tour in England. His two eldest sons, Roy Jr. and Anthony, were killed in the disaster. Here's Wesley Orbison, the only surviving child from that fire, explaining what he remembers. 68, uh, we had a house fire and I lost my two older
2: brothers, uh, Roy DeWayne and, uh, and Anthony King,
0: <clears throat> I remember uh, wanting to go back um, with, with all my might, and uh, Papa stuck his hand on the top of my head and kept me from physically looking back as we traveled uh, to the neighbor's house for shelter. You know So Roy decided to sell the house. surprisingly. One of the prospective homebuyers ended up to being none other than country music legend Johnny Cash, who purchased the property. Cash eventually tore down Orbison's former home and planted an orchard on the site. Roy Orbison and co-songwriters Joe Melson and Bill Dees crafted a series of hits that made Roy Orbison one of the giant hitmakers of our time. Let's hear some of these songs.
1: Oh i <laughs> Still, well. Till... So I left my baby behind on Blue Bayou It's over, it's over, it's over It's over
0: Bruce Springsteen inducted Roy Robertson into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in 1987. Let's hear Bruce on how Roy's voice and songs affected him.
3: I'd lay in bed at night with just the lights on my stereo on, and I'd let "Crying," and Love Hurts and "Running Scared and Only the Lonely and It's Over fill up my room. Well, some rock and roll reinforces friendship and community, but for me, Roy's ballads were always best when you were alone and in the dark. And I always remember laying in bed and right at the end of It's Over when he hits that note that sounds like that you just heard, that sounds like the world's gonna end and I'd be laying there promising myself that I was never gonna go outside again and never talk to another woman. <laughs> you know. Right about that time my needle would slip back to the first cut and I'd hear da 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 Da-da-da-da-da! <laughs> In 75, we went into the studio to make Born to Run. I wanted to make a record with words like Bob Dylan that sounded like Phil Spector, but most of all, I wanted to sing like Roy Orbison. Now everybody knows that nobody sings like Roy Orbison. So all I want to say is congratulations, thanks for the inspiration, and uh, mercy.
0: I hope you enjoyed the show. Before we go, here are the two songs in full that we discussed today first only the lonely and pretty woman dum dum
1: dum dum, dum. They're gone forever So far apart i e
0: and Mark Rosenberg of the Safaris. Hope you will join me next time for the Anatomy of a Hit. Goodbye, everybody.